I have a single question I'd like to gather around with you for a little while. What are you doing here? I'm not questioning your motives, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm just wondering, what are you doing here? It's a borrowed question. It's, it's not my own. I'm taking it from the big, huge story of your whole life. That's the sermon journey we've been on together, the big, huge story of your whole life. But the question remains, what are you doing here? It's not a question of location. It's a question of purpose, meaning, faith. It's a question about God. What are you doing here? I want you to listen with me to the place in the story where our question emerges. I'll bring you up to speed on the characters along the way. Ahab told Jezebel. Ahab was the king of Israel who had married Jezebel. She was a princess in a foreign land. Ahab and Jezebel were married, and in their marriage, so they intermarried religious worship. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah, Elijah was a prophet of God. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And Elijah was afraid. He got up and fled for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself continued a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. He said, it is enough now, Lord, Take away my life, for my life is no better than my ancestors. And he fell asleep under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel came and touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he, and he looked, and at his head there was a cake baked on hot stone and a, and, a, and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and he fell asleep again. The angel came a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. And he got up and he ate. And he went on in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and he spent the night there. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a strong wind, so great it was splitting mountains and breaking rock pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of sheer silence. 
And when Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And there came a voice to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The Israelites have have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're seeking my life to take it away. He said, go. And on the way of your return to the wilderness of Damascus, when you get there, anoint Hazael as king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. You shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abba Mahala, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet, there will remain 7,000 Israelites, every knee that has not bent to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 18, if you wanted to find it in a Bible near you. Did you notice our question? What are you doing here? Not asked once, I might have missed it if it was only once, but twice asked by the voice, the presence, the angel, the divine, what are you doing here, Elijah? Let me bring you up to speed on the characters in the story. Ahab was king of Israel. Ahab was bad news. Ahab was no good at all. You remember David. David, the least likely of the kings, becomes king over Israel. He has a boy, Solomon, who becomes king. Solomon has a boy, Rehoboam. Rehoboam becomes king too. And then things get out of hand. There's like a civil war in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom split. And Ahab becomes king of Israel. Ahab marries Jezebel. Jezebel, known historically for her seduction. There's a reason you don't know anyone named Jezebel. They had made the life, the worshiping life of Israel, duplicitous. Baal altars and Baal worship all over the place. And one thing that infuriates God the most, idolatry. So God sends Elijah to deal with Ahab, there's this duel in the desert. You can read about it in 1 Kings 18, a a competition. Whose God is God? Is it Baal or is it the living God? And the living God sends fire down from heaven to consume the altar. And Elijah destroys 450 Baal prophets and all of Israel shouts, the Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. And Ahab goes back to Jezebel to tell him all that's happened. And this is where we pick up the story. This is where our question gets its voice. What are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Let me, let me just make one observation quickly, and then we'll get to our question. What happened to Elijah? He, he, I mean, this, this is not a story of triumph. This is a story of Elijah sad or overwhelmed or exhausted. I don't, I don't want to psychologize thousands of years later, but something dramatic had happened to Elijah. What happened to Elijah? He's just come off this most amazing experience with God. Of all of the wonderful stories in the Old Testament of God showing up and God doing things, 1 Kings 18 is most definitely among them. Fire from heaven consumes the altar. The Lord indeed is God. And hardly an hour goes by, and Elijah finds himself running out into the wilderness so sad he asks, 
asked that he might die. He said, it is enough now, Lord. It's enough. What happened to Elijah? Have you ever found yourself in that place? It's, it's just enough. It's enough now, Lord. Maybe you grew up in faith. Maybe, you, maybe you've witnessed the wonderful works of God, and yet for reasons you can't quite explain, circumstances outside your control, or maybe even things within the realm of your control, it's so it would seem, you just find yourself sad, overwhelmed, exhausted. It's enough now, Lord. I can't take it anymore. I can't do it anymore, God. It's enough. I'm thinking of the guy I had a conversation with yesterday. He told me he pulled into the parking lot at Collin Park, stared off into Lake Mac, tried to write a eulogy for his mom. They had an estranged relationship. How do you put words to your heart in three to four minutes? It's, it's, it's enough now, Lord. Or the young woman whose student life is becoming adult life, and she's not sure she can handle at all. It's just enough now, Lord. Or the 70-something who still has a parent's heart and yet finds himself alone most days, most of the time. Solitary. He wasn't built for solitary. It's enough now, Lord. You ever been in that spot? When you lay down with Elijah and shout out, it's enough, Lord. But the Lord isn't willing to leave Elijah alone. God, God doesn't leave us in our sadness. God showed up to Elijah. An angel shows up suddenly and taps him on the shoulder and says, get up, eat and drink. And Elijah's like, what? Just leave me alone. I'm tired. I'm sleeping. There's food. There's cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. He eats and drinks, but it's, it's not enough. He goes back to sleep. I Just leave me alone. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm sad. The angel won't leave him alone, taps him on the shoulder again, get up, eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. He eats and he drinks and he, he goes in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. The simple observation, there, there are seasons in the life of faith, not excluded from faith, but rather a part of faith when you're just sad, when you just don't think it's enough and God prepares a meal. God sets a table. Get up, eat, drink, and go on in the strength of that food. The body of Christ given for you. The cup of Christ poured out for you. Eat, drink, go on in the strength of this food. Maybe it's the pandemic. Just exhausted from it all. Or maybe it's the marriage. That's not what you were expecting when you said, I do and I will. Or may, maybe it's singleness. That's not what you had in mind for your 40s. Or maybe, maybe it's just one of those seasons where God seems so distant. The story of God is one who meets us there, who shows up for us there and provides a meal for us there. Get up, eat, drink, and go on in the strength of this food. Now our question, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Asked twice. It's an important question for us to consider, too. What are you doing here? It's not about location. Where do you happen to be sitting right now? It's about purpose. It's about meaning. It's about faith. It's about God. What are you doing here? Elijah has just witnessed and even participated in one of the most climactic moments of God's action Recorded in the Old Testament, the fire from heaven consumes the altar. The Israelites shout, the Lord indeed is God. 
but one threat from Jezebel, and he heads out on the run. An angel wakes him up and says the interesting words. The angel says, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. What journey? Elijah's done. Elijah's finished. Elijah's laying down. Maybe he'll wake up. Maybe he won't. Who cares? What journey are you talking about? He eats and he drinks and he goes on on the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb. Horeb. I didn't know much about Horeb either, so I looked it up. Horeb is the place where God showed up to Moses in the bush that burned but wasn't consumed. Horeb is the place where God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments. Horeb is the place where God showed up to Moses in the cleft of the rock when Moses got a glimpse of God from behind. Horeb. And, and, and Elijah goes, what, what my Bible says, it says, at that place, this is verse 9, at that place he came to a cave. But in Hebrew, the heart language of the Old Testament, it's actually at that place he came to the cave. He came to the cave, the place where Moses was, some Bible scholars suggest. Elijah gets up out of that wilderness, runs for 40 days and 40 nights with all his questions and all his pain and all his overwhelmed and all his exhaustion. He wants to take it right to the feet of God. And he doesn't get answers for, for his questions. Rather, he gets a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says, this is his response. I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left. Elijah says, I'm the only one. Elijah says, it's all on me. It's enough. I'm all, I alone am left. And God says, go out on the mountain and stand before the Lord who's about to pass by. And then there's that great scene, the strong, great wind breaking mountains and rocks before the Lord, but he's not in the wind. And then the earthquake, but he's not in the earthquake. And then the fire, but he's not in the fire. And then the sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah hears it, he covers his face. God is here. God in the silence. God in unexpected places. God shows up when you don't think he can show up. God shows up where you don't think he can go. He can come through the wind, Pentecost. He does come through earthquake, Moses comes down from the mountain after the Ten Commandments. He does come through fire, the Baal prophets, but he's also willing to come when everything seems silent. You're not alone, Elijah. You're not alone, God. God says it again. What are you doing here? Elijah asks twice, and Elijah says the same thing. I, I alone am left. I alone. And God says, no, Elijah, look Bigger, look more. You're not alone. Hazael, Jehu, Elisha, 7,000 Israelites. You're not alone. See the bigger story, Elijah. See the better reality. See the more beautiful purpose unfolding in the world. You're not alone. Go back. Play your part. Play your role. Daily faithfulness. Mundane opportunities to express God's goodness in your life where you are. What are you doing here, Elijah? See more, see bigger, see better. When I was in high school, I played basketball. Uh, I think I may have mentioned that, even probably shown you a video or two. If you'd like to see more, email me. I'll send you all kinds of... Uh, I, I loved the game, uh, but really I think it provided me purpose and meaning, a place to belong. Uh, it was more than a game, is what I what I'm saying. Uh, 
I wasn't really very good, to be honest, but I worked my tail off. I was the quintessential gym rat. Whatever the coaches asked, I did, and so much more. If you were looking for me before school, I was in the auxiliary gym at Holland High. If you're looking for me after school, I was on the, in the auxiliary gym at Holland High. And if you were looking for me between classes, you could find me in the gym. Grit and determination, and I just found myself with a spot on the team. By the time I got to college, I went to Hope College to play basketball. That was my grand vision for my life, to play basketball. I knew the levels of competition were much higher, so the chances of me making the team were much lower. I was going to have to employ a different strategy to get on the team than just grit and determination. I played JV my freshman year, tried out for varsity my sophomore year. The strategy I employed beyond grit and determination was to get in good with the guys. I figured if they liked me, maybe... They'd advocate for me, and I'd find myself with a spot on the team, even if it was the end of the bench. So I did what they did. And that wasn't just basketball. I'm talking about the extracurriculars, if you know what I'm saying. Wednesday night and Friday night and Saturday night, we'd gather at what we called the basketball house. It was on Central Avenue between 13th and 14th here in Holland, a white house. One, One night, I remember it well, I was leaning up against the kitchen counter. It was a Friday night. Matt Steensma, who was a year ahead of me, leaned up next to me. I was holding that red Dixie cup with that foaming beverage, apple juice. Matt looked at me. He looked at that cup. And you know what he said to me? Guess what he asked? What are you doing here? What are you doing here, John? He wasn't shaming me. He wasn't judging me. He was wondering with me, are you willing to sell your soul on a Friday night in a kitchen with a red Dixie cup and a foaming beverage just to sit on the end of the bench for a year with a bunch of guys who actually don't care about your heart? What are you doing here? He was inviting me into a much bigger story, a much better way. What are you doing here? Get up. Go on in the strength of this food. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.